Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. I finally, after years of driving the Lotus, came to my conclusion of what it's like to drive. It's like driving around on a raw nerve. I saw you posted that. I did. That's and a great that, uh, that analogy. That struck me in the middle yeah. of driving it this weekend because we've been driving stuff, obviously, straight through all winter. Yeah. I've actually had the Lotus out more this winter than I have before. Yeah, kind of a strange winter, but, very, you know, Well, and spring is officially nice. here. I, yeah. I drove it this weekend. Thrilled. It was just like, okay, so the snow's gone. So I, I drove it this weekend. But even the Z4, we've been driving all kinds. It's not like I drove huge stuff all winter. I mean, sports cars in the snow are fun. Absolutely. They're just fun. Yes, absolutely. But yeah. So I drove yeah. the Lotus like, this is a whole other category. What's it like? It's like, it's a raw nerve. And that could be a good or bad thing, honestly. <laughs> sure. No, that's a great but analogy. I, I, as a result of talking about the snow being gone, I should also acknowledge that we had other snow pieces planned for the cheap sports cars. Not going to happen. There's no snow. <laughs> Not going to happen. Well, uh, thank you guys for following along. And the TV season for us is shortly ending here. That is season eight. We're nearly done with that as of this week, I believe. But it is available streaming on Amazon Prime. And we will eventually, as you're seeing on YouTube, be releasing older TV episodes on the main YouTube channel and continuing our Test Drive Madness. We're getting so many press cars from manufacturers. We are doubled up at this point. And I I love that, you know, this is the cars that manufacturers want to sell. So Mm -hmm. they're sending these cars along and we're seeing press launches, you know, for all kinds of stuff coming. The Ridgeline pickup is being redesigned. Mm -hmm. You know, next Pathfinder, the next Frontier, you know, all these kinds of things, which is great. Well, to that point, on our original YouTube channel, we just released the Ram TRX piece Mm -hmm. and couldn't be more different over on the Test Drive channel. We had the Toyota Avalon. Those dropped the same day. This shows you the kind of crazy witness we're going through. We love it. We are in the midst of already shooting season nine, which will come out beginning of third quarter. That is July 4th weekend, Saturday. That will be the premiere of season nine. We are already terrified. I mean, we're already Mm -hmm. excited because Mm -hmm. we are shooting so much stuff between now and then. Also... I can't give you details. I can't, but this is an exciting announcement. Mm. We're going to do a meetup in Texas. <laughs> You're going there. I'm already. going there. We're going to do a meetup cow, in Texas. Man. It's looking like it's going to be the week leading up to Memorial Day weekend. I have no details. Yeah, I have there, none. there's no details to share. Because I have none. We, we can't. But those of you mm. that have been bought, I'm, I'm saying it honestly, <laughs> so I stop getting emails. Because we keep getting the, when <laughs> yes, are you coming to do. Texas? Which I'm thrilled about because I'm from Texas. We're talking about the Austin area. We're talking about Memorial Day week. I wish I could tell you more, but because it's coming up quickly and we don't have a set plan yet, thank you to COVID and other madness, I wanted you to know it's out there. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna lock it in. People are gonna make you do the Wrangler voice the entire time you're there. You know, I, it. I know yes. it's there's gonna be a switchover. I know the drawl <laughs> is gonna work its way back. And I know it is. Oh, I mean, I it. might come away with a drawl for all I know. I don't know. <laughs> a little piece of news. I don't know if you've seen this come across. And I keep searching all of the usual news outlets that we look at okay. to try to verify. Is this not a joke? Right? Are you serious? Really? Okay. And that is Volkswagen. Changing their name by switching the K to a T. I'm hoping this is a joke, and apparently it's not. They're changing their name to Volkswagen. This is the same thing that people do when they mispronounce the word supposedly. And supposedly, oh, that supposedly. drives me up a wall. Oh my gosh! I'll start. I'll start using it. Supposedly just is not a word. It is not a word. <laughs> I'm hearing friends in my head now, where Joey just walks around the apartment going, "Supposedly, it supposedly. is not a word." Supposedly. But now, I keep, seriously, you guys have seen this by now. 
I am shocked, <laughs> pun intended. I'm, oh, I'm floored oh, that stop. this is happening. That they're so we're we're you know this is the direction we're moving in. So now we have the Stellantarians. Volkswagen is changing their name. There still be VW, but Volkswagen. Volkswagen so of America. I. <clears throat> this is apparently not a joke. I can. I mm-hmm. hold out that this is a joke. This is one giant joke. I would love they're, for this joke to be played on me. They're 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 early for April Fool's Day. Is what you're thinking? They're just I, they're early. Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> all the reference of the everybody in the automotive news, you know, kind of asking the same thing. Like, really? Yep. Is this really? It just. Leaked early? Sure. <laughs> I'm not. Mm, I don't know yet. We'll buy see. yourself a Volkswagen. Oh, stop. No. We supposedly, have, you can suppo- buy suppose, yourself a supposedly, Volkswagen. Supposedly, Volkswagen is coming. Yes. Good. We've got a cool topic Tuesday coming up from Will, who's writing in about a perception question. People looking at your car and feeling a certain way, or are you looking at your own car and feeling a certain way? We have that coming up. We also have a really cool topic Tuesday. After the topic Tuesday, we've got Timothy writing in with a really cool car debate. He wants to know what the next step up is for him as a car enthusiast. Cars are made to be driven, and we can't imagine a future without driving cars we really love. Luckily, the folks at Haggerty feel the same way. That's why they support this show. One of the many things Haggerty offers for people who love cars is insurance for their enthusiast vehicles, but that also includes classic cars, trucks, motorcycles, collectibles, and even boats. They also protect raced vehicles off the track and can even insure vehicles on the track for HPDE events and track days. In fact, we use Haggerty Track Day Insurance every time we drive the Cayman and Elise on our local track, and it adds huge peace of mind. Learn more about Haggerty and quote insurance at haggerty.com slash everyday driver. Will writes to us with this topic Tuesday. This question, he says, have either of you loved a way a car drives, but have chosen not to pursue it because of the perception it has? Mm. Will is a 38-year-old from Mississippi, longtime listener and subscriber to the podcast. Will, thank you so much for listening. He's a surgeon, and he struggles with the perception of one of his cars. He and his wife currently have three of them. A 96 Land Cruiser. He's got a Land Cruiser. Did you see this? He has a 96 Land Cruiser. Lifted. Didn't tell us the rust level on he the Land 300, Cruiser. 300,000 miles on it, lifted on 35s. He just, they just had a winter apocalypse in Mississippi, which is funny because we didn't here. It like blew past <laughs> us. We're all ready. It, we got salt. We got yeah. everything. It blew up past. It hit him, and Land Cruiser was fine. He loves it. That's where the problem starts. It's the daily, especially for school runs. The downside is at his, his daughter's school... People give him funny looks when he picks her up. Mm-hmm. His wife overheard her talking. One of one of the moms. One of the yeah. moms talking about how is if he's a doctor, why can't you just buy a nice car? <laughs> so it's not just here's the thing. It's not just him feeling like when he's in the pickup line he's getting weird looks. His wife has had conversations about this. Isn't your husband a doctor? You're required to buy a certain kind of car now. Of course you are. You're Ugh. Job title, whatever it is you do, your career equates to whatever else in, is in people's minds. I hate to say it, but it's the same thing that YouTube has done to the perception of, of what people can afford mm. when they drive their cars. And you say, well, you don't have enough subscribers. You can't afford that car. How do you know what my financial situation is like? <laughs> Ever hear of the stock market, by the way? Well, but on the other end of the spectrum, don't you guys have a lot of followers? Aren't you guys crazy rich from YouTube? Oh, there's, no, there's that. that yes, as well. But you know what this means? This means that our poor friend Will here... 
His daughter probably goes to a very nice school, and the pickup line is probably a stream of brand new SUVs. I'm sure. And he pulls in. Exactly. He pulls in in his lifted old Land Cruiser, probably with rust, probably with bad paint, because they all feel like they do from that era. And he (laughs) thinks it's awesome, and he loves it. He's even said about the fact that dads come up to him and go, that's really cool. (laughs) But the moms are like, shouldn't your car be nicer? (laughs) The dads don't see that. Is it for sale? (laughs) That thing's awesome, man. My wife hates it, but yeah. He loves, Will loves the way it feels driving it. He can settle into an audiobook or a podcast and just cruise. It's too dangerous to speed in, so he just gets there when he gets there. <laughs> I, I love like that. that. It's really like fun. That. Will's wife's car is a 2014 Cayenne, so she has something in common with your wife, Todd. Well, you yes, but also driver. he notes that all of the moms think that one's great. <laughs> that tells you about the pickup line at the school right there, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. And then the third car that they own is an 04 Corvette. That's a C5 generation. Mm-hmm. He says, maybe I'm lowbrow or just have had, not had enough experience driving sports cars, but he loves it. Mm. He's got KW suspension and a short shifter and is really awesome to drive. He says he loves the target top and how he can get that open air experience while feeling protected. He says it's fast, but at 300 or so horsepower, mm-hmm. he feels like he can use a decent amount on the street. He says the seats are terrible. That's getting remedied, apparently. He never thought of himself as a Corvette guy, bought it from a family friend. He says, well, he, am I too old to drive it? $7,500? Got it for $7,500 and you, loves driving it. Loves driving Age it. Age notwithstanding, yep. $7,500, totally you buy agree. that car. Yep. But he's embarrassed to be seen in it. He even likes the look of it, but he's embarrassed to be seen yeah. in it. He's almost embarrassed that he likes it so much. That's what I read into this. He drives it and just goes, this is great. I shouldn't like it. This is great. He's second-guessing himself. Yeah, he hates that stigma. And so, therefore, what do we think of this over overarching stigma, the stereotypes? And I, you know me, I'm a list guy. Uh-oh. And so I started making a list of my own car experiences over the years okay. about right. what I thought of every brand or every sort of type of car, like a Corvette mm, okay. or like a lifted right. pickup wow. truck. All right. I looked at my list and went, all of this is just wrong. And mm. I start with me. I'll start with Porsche, okay? Okay, all right, yeah. Porsches are driven by overpaid, badge snobs who don't really understand or appreciate or care about the company heritage, or they're jerks, or they think they're above the law and everyone else. That's what I wrote for Porsche, and, and I you love, love it. And you've owned multiple, and you can't yes, wait to own more. That's funny. I love Porsches. Yeah, that's funny. And I thought, well, that's, that's just wrong. Mm. So the stereotypes... Of all the things that you think about, this is why people say, for a Kia, it's good. The Sting is great for a Kia. It's that 20 years old stereotype Mm -hmm. of that car, not just the luxury marks. Read the comments on our Blue Cars TV piece on our original YouTube channel or our Stinger versus BMW piece. You will see two very divided lines of fighting. Mm -hmm. The people that have bought a Stinger or a Genesis and talk about how great their experiences has been, including some people that are former BMW owners that have done that or the people that whether they've owned a BMW or not, BMW is God. Yeah. And so they look down on Kia and Hyundai as it's impossible that their car could be good. It's amazing. The dividing line. And that just happens. Yeah. One one of the things you and I started talking about and, and the origins of the show always come back to us. It's like the basics of anything. And as you guys know, one of the origins of the show was to help people. But the other origin was to imagine a car and you had taped over the badge, the steering Mm -hmm. wheel and the hood Mm -hmm. and the trunk lid. 
you didn't know who made it. Mm-hmm. I mean, BMWs are kind of a dead giveaway, but you know what I mean. But Especially you just now, dropped the, in from nowhere, and you have no idea. Yeah. yeah, and then drive it for what it is, and mm-hmm. and we told ourselves, okay, at the origin of the show, that's what we're going to do to cars. Mm. We're not going to love them just because it's a BMW. BMW does have a history of making really excellent, fun cars to drive, many of which we still and enjoy. Yes, Porsche does too. Yeah, all this kind of stuff. And so with that filter, it's it's sort of always on with us, mm-hmm. even though we're aware of all these stereotypes. I looked at my list and just went, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I have about all these sure. cars and makes sure. and all this sure. stuff. Yeah. And I think, huh. I, I mean, I've known and do know plenty of lifted pickup truck owners. They're boat enthusiasts. They own UTVs. Mm. They're generally fun people and mm-hmm. generally really cool people. And they have all kinds of toys and they get outdoors and they have an amazing lifestyle. And then they like, pull up behind you when you're in your sports car. But I don't like it when I get run off the road in my little <laughs> tiny sports car. Fair. Okay. So it's one little thing yeah. that gives that negative connotation. Whereas most people are like, yeah, I just, I tell my boat to the lake every, you know, every mm-hmm. weekend or yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's like, well, of course you do. Sure. Awesome. That's great. And so you could almost do that for every single mark. Imagine Volvos, Land Rovers, Mercedes, Subaru Outbacks. All of you listening are now filling out your own listing of what you think of those cars. Do that. And I guarantee you're going to be horrified and be like, yeah, that's that's entirely wrong. And so that's why I love where we're Mm -hmm. at in this era of cars that we're in, that all that is changing. Kias and Hyundais are amazing. Kias are sort of like unsurprising performance that, you know, never before Mm -hmm. had. It's like. Wow, Kias, they're really great. Mm-hmm. Mercedes, I I never knew that I loved them so much. I, I love the tech in them. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's all changing. But to answer your question, Will, I I can't point to a specific car that I haven't considered because the reason I love Porsches is because all the models that I put together as a kid, mm. looking at 911s mm. and turning them around in my hand going, this I just love the shape. I, and then I learned more about the racing heritage and history. And then I went to design school and... <laughs> Discovered design, all this stuff, and yeah. and I come away thinking, why don't people like Porsches? I can see why mm. because of those stereotypes. Mm. It's it's it, it's weird, weird isn't it? to me. It's crazy to me. Well, you have a you have an interesting thing here because you talked about how you didn't like the perception that people have of your Land Cruiser, but I want to unpack something else going on here that you've revealed without knowing it. Okay, you've got a thing here where essentially you say with the Land Cruiser you have a car that you like, but it gives others a negative impression. And then in the Corvette, you have a car that you like, but it gives you a negative impression. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So in both cases, what's happening here is the outside perception is affecting whether or not you should own that car. Whether or not it goes and in for the a case, drive in In the case of the Land Cruiser, you're annoyed that other people would look at it badly, but you're doing it to yourself with the Corvette. Kind of true. Which I find amazing. The first thing I want to say, Will, and this, and this is a difficult question. Does it matter? Does other people's perception of the car matter? And and that is a personal answer. Very true. And there is not a right answer there, by the way, because we've had plenty of people that have written the podcast, and because of their life and the perception of what they have in their job, certain cars are off limits. Absolutely. Because it will actually theoretically hinder their progression in their career if they have a car off of an approved, uh, you can't see my air quotes, the approved list. So this this is (laughs) deep-seated. And I want to say that brands, you you talk about this all the time, Paul, brands have a perception. Mm -hmm. Luxury brands have an even bigger perception. Whether it's true or not is a whole separate thing. But I thought about it this way, because you make fun of me, and and you're right in this regard. What do you think of a man that walks into a room with a very nice watch on? Mm. 
What do you think of the exact same man walked into the room with an Apple watch on? Mm-hmm. Sure. What do you think mm-hmm. of the exact same man walks in the room with no watch on? Right. It's right. a watch. Sure. He he can probably, whatever happens, sure. he can probably tell you the time. <laughs> yes. But at the same yes. time, that person has just changed watches and the perception has changed. Since we we're can't. on watches, really quick. <laughs> okay. I have had a perception of watches about Rolex. And I had this kind of negative perception of okay. like, oh, you bought a Rolex. Well, good for you. That's nice. You know, nouveau riche. You just came into some money. And that's the only thing you could think of. You don't know any other brands. Okay. And then the more I learn about Rolex, the more I respect the company. And then I note that, oh, they're really heavily into motorsports. Very much so. And then my one of my heroes, Paul Newman, his... Rolex Daytona Cosmograph was sold yeah. at auction for $17.8 million, and he beat the you-know-what out he of it. He just used it, yeah. He used it. He wore it everywhere. That was his watch, racing, just doing life. Mm. That was mm. his watch. I thought, that must be a pretty quality piece, despite its negative, like, oh, 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 yeah, a Rolex. Oh, mm. well, look at you. And now I'm going, well, why, do I, why did I not like Rolex? Just mm. because I couldn't have one? Because I can't afford one? Is that why? And mm. then people who do have one look down on me for some reason because watch. I like watches. Watches matter to mm. me. It says something about you. But now that connotation is changing because I'm learning more about the company. I'm learning about their own movements and manufacture in-house, respecting the heck out of the design. And then they're heavily into motorsports. The winners of Le Mans want that mm. Rolex. Mm. That is a, it's a symbol of their blood, sweat, and tears on the track. Yeah. I'm like, Ah, so if we take that new perception, now apply it to every car company and almost every car that has a negative connotation in any other way, mm-hmm. now apply that and you think, huh, well, maybe Audis are just driven by early tech adopters. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, you see yeah. where I'm going with this. Yeah, I do see where you're going. Well, but you're matching perfectly in the next thought I had, which is we as humans, by the way, all of you listening, we're all in this bucket. Indeed. <laughs> we as humans are judgmental. For sure. And we and sure. this is the thing I find both fascinating and damning. We are more prone to stamp judgments about something. I know exactly what that's like. The mm-hmm. less we know about it. Yeah. The more we know yeah. about brands, perception, people, yes. other belief systems. I'm going as close to political as I can here, folks. The the more the more you sure. know about somebody that you don't agree with, the less abhorrent you will find them. Or the closer you are to them, instead yes. of just an arm's length, I don't know that person, but yes. you get to know the person. As we've said many times, a friend of ours has said, it's hard to hate up close. Yes. So we as humans, we snap judge. The people that are watching you drive in in your Land Cruiser into mm-hmm. the nice pickup line are making a snap judgment about what they know of you. Well, he's a doctor. He's a doctor, and that car is rusty. He must not be a good doctor. He's got rust. What is going on? Why does that truck look like that? Exactly. But why did they let him in here? Isn't that dangerous? How does he drive his daughter? How am I doing so far, Will? I bet you I'm doing well. If you light a cigarette, maybe, Will, and you're a doctor and you smoke, that'd be Uh, Yeah, please, please be smoking when you pick up your daughter. (laughs) No, pick up your daughter wearing wearing scrubs while smoking in your rusty Land Cruiser. That's just, that needs to be the April Fool's Day joke right there. That's awesome. What I want to say to you is all cars give off an impression. Yeah. And the impression to non-owners is often wrong. So we all have to say, do we care? We want everybody listening to drive a car you really like. 
And I don't yes. – I genuinely don't care what the brand is. And people have written to us plenty of times and they have come at us a little frustrated because we didn't like a car they love. And in every case, my answer yeah. is the same. Yeah. If you love your car, you've done it right. Yes. It doesn't matter if yes. I don't like it. I may have reasons I don't like it. They may be sound. They may be stupid. But I don't like your car. You love your car. That means when the monthly payment comes in, you're okay with it. That's what we want. We don't want people going, eh, my car's fine. That's, mm-hmm. that's not okay. I don't care if you have a car we think is great and you think it's terrible. Get a different car. So we have to be worried about smiling and nodding and driving happily the cars that other people don't like. That's one option. Or you may be in a situation where you as a person or you as a career, you need to conform. And I hate to say that because I don't want you to have to conform, but sure, you have sure. to you have to decide where are you on that push and pull. Look at my my car choices and my hair. I clearly don't conform well, <laughs> and I'm somewhat okay with it. But if I was a lawyer tomorrow, I might have to make different choices. Sure, I've got an example of uh, some crow meat that I that I eat on a ah, regular basis. Okay. Yes, cold plate of crow meat, mm. and that is the Mazda MX-5 RF. I admit to you that ND Miata has never quite lit my fire. And then they added 26 more horsepower, and it came to life. Mm. It's a very and, different engine. And, really and I'm going, but I'm not supposed to allow myself to like it as much, and I really like it. And I, okay, all right, I like it. Mm-hmm. I just like it. As a matter of fact, I love it. I'll give you another one for you, which was the, your Maserati experience. <laughs> yes. It's fantastically I funny. I for years you, about You were on I'm it. I'm never going to own a Maserati. Yes. And then here's a plate of cold crow meat. Uh-huh. And I, I'm a Maserati fan. That MC20, I can't wait to drive. It looks really good. I'm cheering on Maserati. You know, the the vintage Maseratis. I'm going, like, those are just awesome. And and so I'm, the more I learned about the company and learning about the Maserati brothers that founded the company, and I went, why am I, Why don't I not like this company? Okay, I don't like a couple of the designs. Yeah, they phoned in the Levante, and that still makes me angry. It does, yes. Jeep Cherokee buttons on the door on the mm-hmm. inside. But still, <laughs> why don't I like this company? Do they not drive well? No, they sound pretty good, and some of them drive pretty well, and that MC20 is probably going to be pretty awesome. I hope mm. it's awesome. Yeah. And here I am going, all right, I like Maserati now. Darn it. I. Ah. Well, I think you have to land on what are the cars that are you. Now, I'm not, I want to define this. Not the cars that you're supposed to drive. What are the cars that are you? And I'm going to go to personal examples. I don't like trucks. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. It's not my thing. However, I would own a Ram TRX. <laughs> I know you would. I'd own a you Raptor. You talking about this. I'd own it's a like, Raptor I would and I'd own a Wrangler. <laughs> and the thing is, I know intellectually I don't like that kind of driving experience, and I would rarely, if ever, use it for what it's intended for. Mm-hmm. But I just have an interest in them. Yeah. But I know they're not really me. So there's a struggle with me. And at some point, my wife talked to me about Wranglers this weekend. At some no point, kidding. we may wind up with one. But I'll give you another well, one. That's new information. Every time I drive a high-performance version of a Mustang or Camaro, mm-hmm. I come away impressed. Like, genuinely impressed. Yeah. Like, why don't more people buy these impressed? Yeah. Yeah. And then it hits the cold, hard reality of the fact that I like light cars without a lot of power. Those Mustangs and Camaros, awesome. They're not me. Sure. Now, sure. I, I forget what the perception is. Forget what a Mustang or Camaro driver is. I, I don't. I, yes, it has perception. Yes, I don't care. That's not why I don't want those cars. Mm-hmm. It's because the stuff that I realize I like the most is light, small, and not that powerful. And the Mustang Camaros are none of the above. Sure. The last one I want to talk about is what do you want to be as a driver? Because I'll go there, Will. You need to buy a Porsche. You're supposed to drive a 911. <laughs> 
You're a doctor. You kind of You are. make perfectly good money. Yeah. You're a surgeon, for God's sakes. Why don't you drive a 911? <laughs> but you like your Corvette. So you know what? Drive it. Drive yeah. your Land Cruiser. Enjoy the snowpocalypse when it randomly comes to Mississippi. And then go off-road something. Which I think makes people want to get to know you, maybe. They're I hope intrigued. So. Like, you I drive hope a so. what? And, yeah. Oh, you're a doctor? And, oh. Huh, you're, you seem to be an interesting person, and then find your common ground and talk about whatever. And you said you like small, light cars without a lot of power. I like small, light cars with a lot of power, <laughs> but you true. driving hell-catted anything doesn't prevent you from enjoying that. That's true. You always come away with a stupid grin on your absolutely. face like, that was awesome. Yes, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Mustang, Tamaros, whatever, and you're like, I wouldn't own one, but that was so much fun. Absolutely. Yes. And that's what I like about both you and I have our thing. Mm-hmm. You have the Lotus thing. I have the Porsche thing. There's plenty of Porsches that you like. I love mm-hmm. the Lotus Avoras, and I love driving your car anytime. Yeah. I come out and be like, yeah, that's a really great car. <laughs> it is kind of funny. Every that's time, a really great car. Every time Paul drives by Elise, he gets out, and he has the, like, the weirdest conflicted <laughs> look on so his face conflicted. because he's just he's, – he, he's, I can see it scrolling in his eyes like the Terminator. I can see all the things about it that are not quite right, and yet his overarching thought is just – yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, I love Porsche. Man, is your car great? <laughs> and so, I still, I'm, I'm learning. Both of us are still learning, right alongside you, Will, to be able to say, yeah, I like that. And then, you know what? I'm, I'm embarrassed, but okay, I'm not embarrassed anymore to like that car and to admit that I like that MX-5 with the 26 extra horsepower. <laughs> I just, I really like it. It's the so MD2 awesome. The ND2 is awesome. It's I would really own good. that. The seat will have to be modified because I'm. I don't fit in you that don't car. Fit, let alone me, yeah. And you're scrunched. But, you know, there's various cars that we have to just allow ourselves despite the perception, despite mm-hmm. what's going on in your mind. And therefore, we translate that to our car shopping for all of you. Mm. And our just sharing our experiences in videos to help you understand that space. And many of you have written your car conclusions to us and said, both of you are idiots. You're wrong. I disagreed. I bought this, but it aligns to what I've been hearing all along. Mm. And I decided that I did like that car and it does do it for me. And, Mm -hmm. and we're going applauding you. We're, We're just applauding you from afar. Yeah. And we love doing that. And so learning to allow yourself to like that, but giving others that grace too. I would say, in whatever they're driving. That's good. And extending that grace to them. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. I know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. Timothy writes to us from Ohio with, he's the latest person to write in. And this is, honestly, this always amazes me. He's the latest person to write in that said he found the podcast, and so he started at episode one. And honestly, we're getting an email like that almost once a week. And I, I can't, those of you that are listening, by the way, it may be years later when you finally hear this because you just started like that. <laughs> right. But thank you for doing that. That's really cool. And if you haven't rated the podcast, this is what helps other people find it. These people that are finding and going back to episode one, it's because some of you out there rated the podcast mm-hmm. and they searched best automotive podcast. So thank you for doing that. But Timothy has a new twist I hadn't heard before. He happened <laughs> yeah. to start the podcast around the same time of year as when we originally started the podcast, which was like late July, early August. So even though he's years behind, 
the seasons are changing in coordination with our podcast. Funny. And so he feels like he's in a weird time warp. But he wrote to us, which is what's really cool. His story is so interesting. Timothy, he asks, what's the next step up? He's had a few interesting cars over the years, but he has never considered himself an enthusiast. Something of an enthusiast zombie, perhaps, he says, moving around, but unaware of what or why he was doing it. Okay. Ford Probe GT, year 2000 Civic Si, a Lexus IS350, a Honda S2000. His last car was an E9335i. By the way, I like the fact that you're a zombie person just buying whatever car and you randomly tripped and fell into a Honda S2000, which is a fantastic enthusiast car. Bravo to you on that. <laughs> Arr, but the E90, how does this drive? Yeah, the E9335i is not bad either. He's owned this car for 10 years. Prime contributor to why he owned it so long is that he had a great mechanic who seemed to know a lot about BMWs. I mean, ideally, you want a mechanic that does know a lot, not seems to know a lot, but I get it. But but he was that, like, tangential car guy, and he yeah. found a BMW mechanic local to him in Ohio, which comes back around later. And he's like, these guys seem to know what they're doing, so they can take care of my BMW. So yeah. all of a sudden, he's had it for 10 years, and it runs great. Well, he says... His mechanics seem to have a lot of old, shiny BMWs for sale in the parking lot. Never really understood that, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Zombie your way on. Yep. After a while of 10 years, he got tired of the repair bills and began looking around. He drove an Audi A5, too expensive for what it was, gulp. A 2019 Supra, he says, steering, ugh, with an exclamation point. He felt like a rolling coffin. Wow. wow. All right. A Toyota Camry, interior not good. 06 Boxster, noisy, and it was holding back. Interesting. And a current-gen BMW 330i with the intent of going an M340 route. He says, nice, but I just couldn't do another BMW. So as a fallback position, and somewhat despondently, he is ashamed to admit he decided to buy a new Accord Touring 2.0. Strategy okay. was, he said, I'm going to wait a couple of years and then buy a used sports car for the weekend. Now, right. let's stop real quick. Honda Touring 2.0 is a perfectly fine car. Mm-hmm. That is one of those purchases that will do everything you need to do in life with a surprising amount of space and good gas mileage and good reliability. It's not an enthusiast car. Right. right. You could put great tires on it and make it surprisingly good in the corners. It's still not an enthusiast car. <laughs> exactly. Well, one month later, after purchasing said Accord, he found the podcast. Dun, dun, dun. Fast forward two weeks, he stumbles upon our video review of a BMW Z4M. The coupe, which we <clears> both <throat> really liked. <laughs> Two more weeks after that, he heard us reference shiny BMWs at Enthusiast Auto Group in <clears> Cincinnati, <throat> Ohio. And he went, wait, that's my mechanic two miles away from where he works. <laughs> I love this story so much. He accidentally was getting his car serviced by Enthusiast Auto Group, who has some of the nicest used BMWs on the planet. He doesn't have any oh, idea where great. he's getting his car serviced that he suddenly realizes, oh, that's who they are. Right. Fast forward one month after much debate, his wife insisted that he do it. He bought a gorgeous Z4M convertible, which now sits next to the Accord in the garage. Congratulations. <laughs> Didn't wait two years, but he is so incredibly happy. And of course, the Enthusiast Auto Group guys found him one. Yeah, it's awesome. And now he knows who he's taking it to for service. <laughs> Take him back. Another BMW. He says, I'll own that car forever. So much for waiting two years. And by the way, he says, the guys at EAG are truly as nice as they are remarkable at what they do. So we know glad. a few people that have actually know those guys and worked with them and always said good things. Yeah, for sure. But now the bug has bit. He's no longer a zombie enthusiast. He craves special. 
I love it. I'm so glad. <laughs> he loves the Accord, and it is borderline special, given the comfort and drivability for money. Okay, fair. Should he keep it? Should he go to Porsche? Should he go to Lotus? <laughs> you have been listening to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something else. It needs to be a daily, 2 plus 2 or better, reliable, not a convertible. He likes the idea of lower power, not insane, but something with better handling. He says it's more of a fit for the roads near him. He cackled like a 12-year-old when he test drove a Miata manual. Okay. He would like to reproduce the cackle. Interesting. All right. He says a Toyota 86 sounds great, but he's an interior snob. Okay. I hear, I hear you right there. What's the next step up? He would also like to experience a fantastic automatic transmission. Mm-hmm. Should he replace the cord with what? The budget is $35,000 this year or 50 k next year. Open to creative and crazy ideas. Wow. Very cool. He thanks us for the Z4. Man, I'm, just, I'm glad you found it and you like it so much. And I will say that the Z4M, it's, it's everything that's great about my Z4 improved because it has the better engine from the E46 generation Indeed, and it has yes. the hydraulic steering, the two things that my car lacks. The engine in mine is the 3.0 and it's actually pretty great. There's that. Well, it is, is but, a convertible. So yeah. But he yeah. has now the convertible version yeah. of that Z4M, which is a – that's a fine. It's a really, really good it car. Is. I'm glad you like it, Timothy. I, and I also have to say, look, I mentioned it already in passing – the Accord is genuinely great at what it does. It's it's not a car that I would recommend anyone gravitate toward as a as a fun car. Sure. But sure. man, it does everything well. Which is hard to argue with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still think we can replace it with something else. And I think what you're looking for is you have now a great rear wheel drive car two seater. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think what you need is a great rear wheel drive four door. Because I think the thing that's going to, mm-hmm. to dial this in for you and give you what you need, which is usability the Z4 doesn't have, with the chuckability of the Miata and the Z4 that you do have, is you need a rear-wheel drive, well-balanced four-door. And that traditionally is where BMW has been a place to shine. I'm going to go somewhere else. To my knowledge, Timothy is not a doctor, but I'm still going to suggest a 911. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I still am. Done. I mean, because everything you're wanting, PDK, well, that's, you know, an automatic that's even better. Yeah. And it's a two plus two and it can be your daily and it's rear wheel drive and it looks great. And come on, 911s. Hmm. I, I like the idea of selling the Accord and you could watch our workhorse sedans and think Mazda 6 or Toyota Camry TRD or something like that. I'm kind of with you on the sedan, though, just as a nice, tasty balance between the two, because anything else I suggest will be similar to your car. Get this. If you get a Corvette, even with magnetic ride, it's like an overinflated Z4M. Mm. If you get a Supra, I can't believe you don't like the Supras, but whatever. That is not a 2 plus 2, but it is a great car. It does have a great automatic. It's another BMW. <laughs> it is another BMW. kind of like the car you already have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We could go Alfa Romeo 4Cs. They're special. Could you daily it? Sure. Found you a 2015 launch edition with 6,000 miles in Arizona for 54.9. Ooh, that's a lot of car. You could look at BMW M2s. I'm sure your <clears throat> enthusiast auto group friends. They would find you a nice one. <laughs> They're probably, your mechanic's probably like, see? <laughs> Told you. Told you. <laughs> you could find a 1M. You could find an E39 M5. As a matter of fact, I was just on there after reading your email, Timothy, going, <laughs> I should eh. go back to their website. E39s. I mean, Come on, classic, mm-hmm. 400 horsepower, V8, manual, four-door, delish. Mm. Imagine that sitting next to your Z4M. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. 
you could go Acura NSX with the autos. I've been recommending those a lot lately because I think they're sort of this hidden gem if the you auto, really want the an auto automatic. Version. Yeah, okay. Sort yeah. of like, yeah, not many, not as many people want those. Yeah. Yeah. So look at those. Even if I suggest an, a Lotus Evora or a Porsche Cayman, I mm. don't think it's going to do it because you're going to have your Z4M. You're going to have yeah. two kinds yeah. of similar-ish sports cars. So you either need to get a really great sedan, as you said, or the engine is in a totally different place, like mid-engine or rear engine. Which is why you went 911. Yeah. I stand by my 911. Okay. It's Funny. so good. It's like a Miata, only on the you know larger scale <laughs> only of things. Only not. But yeah. <laughs> only, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I do know what you mean. Because it's, but Miata yeah, it's works a reach. in every yeah. situation, but people ask for a 2 plus 2 and something different. Yeah. And i got to take the kids, but I need trunk space. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be fast and automatic. And 911. I see where you're going. Timothy, but, go on. But. Okay. That Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio cannot be ignored if you're spending 35 to 50 mm-hmm. used. Mm-hmm. It does have a great automatic. It does. It is different. That's got to be a consideration, too. There's all these cars mm-hmm. we could... I'm not settling on per, one in particular for okay. you. I'm settling on some drive homework since you're no longer a zombie and you're discovering everything. And so mm-hmm. let's get you in everything. I like it. That's good, Timothy. I, the fact that you want to keep that Z4M convertible... If we're leaving that in the garage, then that takes me definitely to sedans. Mm-hmm. I think, and I know I'm saying something that feels like sacrilege to you, but I think the Z4M has educated you on what's possible in a two-door, two-seat, rear-wheel drive sports car. And you could just keep trading out that space. You're not saying get rid of the Z4M, are I'm you? not saying right now, but I am, I am just – I'm floating the idea, <laughs> Timothy. that aside. I'm floating on. the idea, Timothy, because it's genuinely great. Having driven my Z4 so much, having driven the Z4M coupe so much, yep. I, I know that your car is genuinely great. But I want to I give you the freedom to somewhere down the road. I know Tough Love, get rid of that car and just wow. do a different two-door two uh, two rear-wheel drive sports car. But that's not right now. That's that more expensive 911, Timothy. <laughs> that Z4M is there, and it's great. So I'm going to put you in a sedan. Okay. And you already kind of went there, Paul, but I'm going to say it. I think, it's, I think the car for you mm. is an Alpha Julia. Do and you? maybe not even the Quadrifoglio, because I'm looking at what you have in the Accord. You have an easy-to-daily car with four doors and four real seats and a trunk, and it can just do life. Yeah. But where it falls down is it's not that fun. Yeah. But it's got a two-liter, and it gets good gas mileage, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Over in Alpha Julia land, those two liters, hmm. have you, what have you heard online about how terrible the reliability is of the two-liter? You haven't. Where you've heard problems have been people talking about the Quadrifoglios. The two liters seem to just run. That engine's in a lot of things, by the way. True. That is a ZF eight-speed automatic. Yeah. That in the non-quadrifolio version is excellent, as it is in the quadrifolio. The quadrifolio is fantastic. I have nothing against it, and you certainly could do it for your money, as Paul has stated. But I think you should go find yourself, look around for a bit, the perfect spec quadrifolio, pardon me, the perfect spec Alpha Julia that's not a quadrifolio. Get the two liter with the sport pack, the limited slip differential, that car is going to rotate better than anything you ever imagined as far as a big four-door sedan. The difference in driving from that to your Accord is going to be profound. Hmm. But a lot of what the Accord has done is maintained. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not a Honda. Yes, the Honda will be more reliable. <laughs> I'm not arguing that point, okay? But Alpha Julia, with that, that checks every box you're talking about as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to give you two wild cards, even though I think the Julia Sport rear-wheel drive, hmm. limited slip diff, gets it done. Hmm. Two wild cards are Chevy SS 
more I, powerful, yeah. <laughs> but get that with an automatic yeah. and the magnetic ride okay. well within your budget. That car is going to shock you on a back road. Yeah. And then if neither of those are quite right, just because it's an oddball and I'm in wild card land, drive the Kia Stinger. Be surprised at what a big car can do. Yeah, that's good. Those are my three. How do, we, the Julia. how do we get to Alpha Julia land? Is that next to Wisconsin or where is that near? It, it's somewhere in that area. Yeah, yeah I thought so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just it's up north a little bit. Midwest. Yeah. Or... A lot of nice windy roads okay, there. Okay, yeah. I thought so. Posted a picture of the Type 65 Factory 5 Racing owned by Haggerty. And thanks to Haggerty for sponsoring our TV season and being such a great company to work with. We really appreciate all of those guys there. Posted a picture of that car from our PCH shoot. And Bill Coley, 1008, says, For me, what is the greatest rear-end design for a car, and why is it the Camback? Mm. K-A-M-M-B-A-C-K. So okay. Cam. A Camback style of design is a fairly distinct design. There's some arguments about which cars qualify and which don't, but this d- defining stylistic feature is that roof line and the associated lines and surfaces mm-hmm. all culminating towards the rear and sharply cut off mm-hmm. By a vertical plane, kind of on the YZ axis, if you're a, a little bit of a designer or the, the engineer, it, yeah. so you know the Cartesian coordinate system. So you slice wow, it right okay. through there, and you cut it off. So it's just got a, a from a side view, flat rear end. It almost profile. looked like the design must have kept going and tapered, and they just right. chopped off the back end, like you see in that coupe. Exactly. Daytona. So this camback design is named after a German aerodynamicist from the late 30s. His name was Wunibald Kamm. Oh, of course it was. Okay. Yes. Lots of mid-century Ferraris and Maseratis. The 1962 Ferrari GTO, a couple of the body styles are that way. Mm. Early 70s Mustangs. Of course, the Shelby Daytona Coupe. Yep. I hear you. It's gorgeous. It's scrumptious to look at. But I do like the 911 rear end, so classic and timeless. I love the Jaguar E-type rear end, mm-hmm. the way the lines culminate. It's all about... Not necessarily airflow, but the way those lines and the theme that is established at the front, and what do you do to to finish mm, that mm. off at the back? Yeah, and that camback design is just—it's so distinct. It's a slice, mm-hmm. it's and we're like done. A section yeah. of car. Yeah, you're right. But it actually defines that section from the rear view of that car. You can see those beautiful fender shapes, and it makes it very timeless and classic. But I do like pretty much all the Aston Martins from DB2 to DB5, let's say. Like Anything with a DB, them. we're all for it. <laughs> Have you seen the rear ends on those cars? They're just like scrumptious look. Just okay. the way right. the lines terminate and what they what they did with those surfaces. But weirdly, most of them were designed that way because of manufacturing techniques. Mm. Because they couldn't do the crazy shapes. They didn't have injection molded urethane anything. <laughs> sure, yeah. Terminate those shapes and those lines how modern cars are now. They just had to kind of stop. I just stopped <laughs> well, making I guess the car. That's done. <laughs> I guess we'll cut it off there. <laughs> I guess Coming we're... out of a dispenser, slice, <laughs> cut, cut slice. Enough. That's good. <laughs> It's like a hot dog slicer or something. I don't know. It's exactly like a hot dog. <laughs> How my car is like a hot dog.com. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, I love that shape. Yes, it is gorgeous and timeless and classic, but it does fit those 50s, 60s designs mm. far better than it does more modern cars. I, I do think that. But all these other designs that I mentioned, they're gorgeous too. So I kind of go back and forth. Maybe it just depends on the day. If my eyelash hurts. I got off the wrong side of the bed or something. Wow. I don't know. Uh, is that what happens? Your eyelash hurts, so you get off on the I, wrong side of the bed. You got to roll the other way because that eyelash is killing me, man. I don't know. That's awful. Gavin wrote in. He said, "Hey, I'm looking for tires for my Fiesta ST for summer. We'll probably see that car this summer. That's kind of cool. 
Yeah. I haven't seen I actually, Gavin, yeah. I haven't seen your ST yet. You're in the local area. So anyway, uh, he's looking for tires, summer tires for it. He was looking at the tires I used to have on the Lotus, the Firehawk, Firestone Firehawk Indy 500, which is a massively long name for tires. They are a decent alternative to things like the Michelin PS4s. Mm-hmm. He's looking, but it seems the prices on those have gone up almost 40%. I didn't look, Gavin, but that's crazy that you found that. <laughs> he's saying, are they good enough to still be worth it, or should he go something else? Gavin... I like those tires. They're good tires. I liked them on the Elise. I've heard of plenty of other people that have autocrossed on them and enjoyed those tires quite a bit. If they get in shooting distance of the PS4s, get the PS4s. Yeah. Uh, yep. they're, the great thing about the Indy 500s is the fact that they are an excellent tire at a slightly discounted price. If you're looking for that world, also look at Kumos. We like Kumos quite a bit. They're pretty good in that area. But once you get into the Yokohama, I have the 08 uh, AO52s on my Elise, and boy, are those good. That's the upgraded version of what was the stock on the Elise. Those are right around Michelin PS4. Yeah, you're faster on track now. There, there's are, clear got distinction. got a lot of grip. Yeah. Uh, so that's excellent. Those are awesome. The PS4s are great. Some of the P0s are really good. Pirelli P0s can be yeah, really true. good as well. Uh, there's other tires out there. But once you get into that kind of price range, I don't think that the Indy 500s are enough of a standout that you go with those over one of the better brands. YG Auto Detailing says, are there any cars under 35000 that need to be bought right now before they appreciate too much in value to the point where none of us will be able to afford them. He They're says, already on the move. I will be able to afford them. How about all of us will be able to afford them in the future? My thoughts for you, have you ever considered the Transaxle era Porsches, the 924, 944, 968, 928? The 90s hot cars, the Nissan 300ZX, the Z32 flavor. Yep. The Mitsubishi 3000 GT VR4, mm-hmm. the Acura NSX, the RX7. Supras, by the way, they're gone. They're, the Supras have already left. Gone. Everything else is being pulled up in the wake yeah. of the Supra. Yep. You're absolutely right it is. And how about a C4 Corvette ZR1? Yeah, that's an interesting one. That's kind of fluctuated and wavered enough for me to go, hmm. They're incredibly undervalued, and they mm-hmm. are a very special car. I think Indeed. the only reason those haven't been pulled up is the interior. Yeah. I think a lot of people struggle to get past the interior. It's a phenomenal car. Watch our American <laughs> Original piece. Yeah. You mean one button does one function? Yes. Yes. Who thinks that way? Mm-hmm. It is crazy. Blue240 says, in our opinion, what is the most photogenic track in the world? Now, the problem here, Baloo, is I can't off the top of my head think of what they all look like. And the amount of research it would take to really look at look up all of the tracks in the right. world, I don't have this kind Here's of some time. Obscure track that is a definitive. I'm going to say something, and I'm going to leave out one that somebody is in love with, and they're going to send us an email <laughs> with photos, and I'm going to have a mea culpa and be like, "You're right, I was wrong." But I am going to give you two that any time I see anything shot at either of these two tracks, I'm impressed with how great it looks. Mm-hmm. One we've shot, and one we haven't. Anglesey in Wales. Oh. It is on the extreme northwestern edge of Wales. Chris Harris has shot multiple videos there. It is a yes. track on the rocky British coastline, and it is spectacular. Yes, that's great. The other one that I love and we have shot there is Spa. Yeah, Spa's got to be up there. The ring is interesting, but I don't think the, – the ring is, is – it's a road, Okay. The thing about Spa is it has the yellow and red curbing, which is very unique to Spa. And it has so much fluctuation in uh, elevation, not just Eau Rouge, but the whole track. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. amazing how much elevation change there is. And each part of the track is hidden in the forest, but mm. easily visible. See, the problem with the ring is you can only see past one corner. 
spot you can see from some distance, and then the track vanishes. And anytime we go on our pilgrimage trip, sadly we're not going this year, but anytime we go, we come back with footage from different places on the track, and every part of the track looks different. And it all just looks so lush and green, and you can tell elevation change. Another problem with a lot of tracks is you can't tell the elevation change very well. Spa, you really can. Those are my top two. Both of us need to tackle this one from Kirk Carson on Facebook, asking the best way to sell an obscure car quickly but not get screwed. He's got a 1990 Bentley Turbo R that runs and drives just fine, but like any 30-year-old British car, or any British car... Easy, but yes, okay. <laughs> it needs some work. He's lost interest in the car, would like to see it go, but he doesn't want to junk it because it's still got a lot of life left with only 37,000 miles. Mm. Short of donating it to us for another challenge, <laughs> which we welcome. The Bentley Files, yeah. <laughs> what would we recommend? Well, first of all, how about a shout out? Anybody want a 1990 Bentley Turbo R? I'm guessing if it went to some listener of the podcast who's interested, mm. Kirk, it might be uh, that might happen. If you're listening to this years from now, I'm hoping it has sold by now. Yes, hope but, so too. Mm, that, yeah, that that's a tough one. You could ask our friends at Monterey Touring Vehicles to see if they wanted to buy that from you, and they could rent it out. They actually bought Mike Tyson's Bentley, and it's a very popular rental. <laughs> Surprisingly, it's very popular. It's very popular. It's very popular wants yeah. this because it's the car that you wouldn't own. Yeah. Like, wonder what that drives like. Oh, Mike Tyson drove it? Let's rent that car. Yes. Yes. But anything that they have that you wouldn't own yourself, like, yeah, I, I'd love it, but I, I don't have the space or I don't have the wrenching mm-hmm. capability or whatever that is. Those are the ones that do rent convertible Mustangs. Well, I, I love one, but I don't yeah. see it having a place in my life, but I'd sure, love to rent sure. that or yeah, yeah, yeah. some sort of Porsche like we did for Monterey Touring Vehicles. Yeah. So big shout out to them. and. Maybe they'd like to buy it from you. Interesting. I think of a couple other options here. You, somebody's saying auction sites, and I agree auction sites, but I'm actually going to say Rad for Sale. We Rad, just had yes. those guys on. Yes. It's right there in the middle of the Radwood era. That's a fantastic idea. So you could put it on there. I also think the thing you could do is you could find those. <laughs> Win the next Rad, Radwood. For sure. You could ah. find those. And, and you're gonna have to, you haven't said where you are. You're going to have to find in your area. There's tons of them in L.A., I remember, but there's a lot of them all over the place. Places that take in people's really nice sports cars and then consign them and resell them out. I know there's a lot of Porsche places that do it in L.A. and other, other places. Yeah. You'll walk into these places, and it's – They're parked six inches from each other. There's so many nice cars in there. And some of them that place owns. And some of them that place has on consignment from the owner to try to sell it for the owner. But because their clientele is people coming in looking for older kind of exotic cars, there are those places. You can look in one of those as well. I like that. I like the auction. Maybe maybe the auction. If it's Rad for sale would be cool. I don't know what he needs to get out of it, but... I, why not? Mm. I mean, if you wanted to give it to us, what do you want us to do with it? It's the Bentley Files, man. I don't know what we do, but yeah. A lot of road tripping, I see. Cutler Collins says he drives, this is interesting, he drives an N.A. Miata. That is a first-generation Miata. So the early 90s Miata is what we're mm-hmm. talking about. Mm-hmm. Those are, if you don't know, tiny. So small. Watch our Miata comparison piece. I don't fit. I'm like the dog with his head out the window, over the top of the da- over the top of the you window. You kind of play that, I up, yeah. Just, yes, but I just don't fit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. NA Miatas are tiny. He loves it. He it's going nowhere, but he's yeah. thinking about adding a hot hatch. Okay, and it dawns on him that pretty much any hot hatch he would buy is going to be more powerful than his Miata. And you're right, right? Because right. they were very, very. I mean, they were tiny. Okay. His question is: If I start daily driving a hot hatch with more power than my Miata, is it going to make my Miata irrelevant? 
Am I going to like the power of it so much since his Miata is so underpowered? If he bought himself a new Veloster N, which is great, a GTI or Fiesta ST, is he going to look at his Miata and be like, that's not fun anymore? I'm honestly going to say absolutely not because the driving experience is so different. We have a good friend of the show, Shane, who had a Fiesta ST. Yeah. yeah, And while owning his Fiesta ST, he found one of those. Somebody was practically giving it away in a Miata, and he just thought, I'll try it. (laughs) For a laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the car that's still in his garage, and the Fiesta's been sold. Yeah. Now, he's moved on to other things, but that Miata, he loved it because it was so different. You're talking about a fast front-wheel drive hatch. The experience behind the wheel is fundamentally different than a small rear-wheel drive Roadster, which you have Mm -hmm. in the Miata. I think it's going to make you appreciate the Miata more. I think the only downside is it might make you wish you had a more powerful small Roadster. But I don't think your desire for one is going to go away. I think that you're going to recognize why the Miata is great. I think that's great. And I just want to add on to that. And that is, I think it's going to force you to adopt different driving styles, which is a good thing. I think that'll be a healthy thing because the things that you can do in that hot hatch will not be possible in that NA Miata. You're going to have to hang on to your speed, take a corner differently, set up for corners, set up your driving differently to get that. And then... Oh, then it'll come to life. You'll be like, ah, there it is. Mm-hmm. So I think that could be a good thing to have those two dramatic variations Agreed. and driving styles available to you. You could really like that. Travels with George J is thinking about selling his GT350. We're selling cars. We've got a 1990 <laughs> Bentley Turbo R. We've got a GT350. Who Stuff's wants happening it? today. Yep. He is leery about handing the keys over to someone for a test drive. Mm. Our thoughts on the best way to sell a car like this. Well, first of all, you could ride with them on the test drive. You can just go ahead and ride with them. for sure. And you're the one selling it. So that means you're in control. And you can ask, what's your driving experience? What what are you looking for? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your driving experience and your history. And and have you ever handled high-performance, powerful cars Mm -hmm. like this before? Why are you looking for a GT350? I mean, you're you're yeah. literally in the driver's seat. You're in control there to kind of get to know your buyer a little bit. You mm. want it to go to a good home. You want it to go to an enthusiast. You've never driven a manual before? Yeah. Yeah, let's not do that. I think it's perfectly okay <laughs> to ask those kinds of questions. Yeah. They're a little bit personal, but it's just not personal enough just to say, this is a powerful car. I'm a little bit you know, unsure yeah. unless I know who, who you are as a driver. Okay, you've had experience. Oh, good. You've had some track mm-hmm. time. You're not just going to nail it out of a corner. And you know what? These are my list of things that are non-negotiables on our test drive. Yeah. We're not going to try burnouts. We're not going to try whatever that is. If if yeah. other people are like, sure, here's the keys. See you in an hour. It depends on who you are. Yeah. But yeah. you're right. That is a something to consider. But step one, go with them. Yeah. You know, go in the in the passenger seat. You can say, you know what, I've got a great driving loop for us, but I'm going to start out driving to show you how this works and show you some features and show you how yeah. powerful this car is, and then I'll turn it over to you. How about that? Yeah, all of that works. The questions are always endlessly entertaining. Thank you guys for yeah. thinking of stuff. And, and it's genuinely, you're not thinking of stuff just to, you know, stump the chump. It's more just, hey, this is going on in my life, and what should I, I do that. about this? That's and great. it's sort of just like friends having a conversation. So thank you guys for your great questions. Please send your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and especially your car debates to TV at gmail.com. We do read it all. We do. We do look forward to getting to it if we, if we can. But whether or not you've had a, a debate on air or not, love to hear what you guys bought. We always do. For sure. And we've so much coming at us for uh, for test drives. And thank you guys for supporting the, the YouTube channel as well. Big time. We also have our entire season nine on the calendar. 
So we are actually shooting stuff. Yeah. It, we've got some really cool stuff, really varied stuff coming in Season 9. Some road trips, some cool comparisons, some p- performance stuff, some electric stuff. Yeah. It's a lot of six episodes is going on. Thank you, guys. Cheers, everyone.